How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops. Getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Weren't you just here like... A minute ago? <laughs> Where did this week go? Oh, uh, poor Rob's cold today, too. I am cold in here. You never know what it's going to be like in here. It's either going to be a refrigerator or it's going to be like an oven. So uh-huh. you never know how to dress. You dress in layers when you come to the radio show. I am layered today, though. I got a turtleneck on. I'm layered, too. I have to be to come in the studio. Mm. You got that nice red hat on? Thank you. This is the slightly balding in my scalp is cold. Slightly? Yes. <laughs> well, that's going to be fixed here real soon because I went out and bought what they call a rug. So we're getting it fitted up right now. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Uh, listen, I'm going to be honest. Nobody will be able to tell. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Elon Musk has one. Oh, really? Yeah. So I want You know, William like, Shatner has one? That I did know. You know, Burt Reynolds used to have one? That I did know. Sean Connery had one. And uh, who else? Well, I can't mention any more names because they may not want people to know. But I don't care. We'll see. We'll do a thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm a proud bald dude. Well, yeah, but you look good. You're like Yul Brenner. You just got that look about you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Yul (laughs) Brenner was the man. All right, listen, here's what we're going to do. If you're the 10th caller, uh, you may be the person taking home that uh, gift certificate from Sorgles. But the only way you can find out is if you are that 10th caller, 412-922-1020. So... I uh, was out of Janowski's the other day. You know, these wonderful sponsors of yours, they do a lot of stuff this time of year. I mean, Janowski's has like a little rummage sale going on, all sorts of uh, well, California I know for, citrus fruit. I know for sure they're they're starting seeds. Yeah. I know for sure they're in the back. You know, I'm sure it's been a month since they started onions. So, uh, they grow one called Candy that I love. And, uh, yeah, lo- lots to do this time of the year getting ready for the season, you know. And we're doing the same thing, uh, which is great. <laughs> I know. We are doing the same thing. And this is when the show starts to really heat up. And now Punxsutawney Phil said spring is around the bend. Lots of stuff to get to. He's got an amazing guest moments away. But we always invite your participation in the broadcast. And we're going to be taking some calls coming up in the third segment. So if you have a gardening question, get set for that. And Doug's going to fill you in on everything that's happening today with Doug Oster, DougOster.com. It is the February edition now of The Organic Gardener on KDKA. Doug. I do have a very special guest today, and I was so excited to get this interview. Um, plant pathology professor um, Manon Gallagly from WVU, who will be 101 years old in April, 30 years into retirement, has created his fourth and final tomato called Manon's Majesty. Um, we talk about his long career talk about creating these tomatoes. This is the fourth one that he's created, and it's interesting that he did the first tomato in 63, and then when he retired, went back to breeding, and then two more tomatoes in 17, and now his, uh, I guess, crowning achievement with Manon's Majesty, which is a Septoria leaf spot resistant tomato. We'll talk all about that after the 715 break, but lots to talk about this morning, and the garden has come alive. 
Snowdrops are blooming. The snowdrops are blooming, and there's a very special snowdrop in my garden that, you know, I, I told the story many, many times. And so uh, the two friends of mine, Len and Al from the Rock Garden Society, we used to come to anything that would be in the North Hills that I did, and I would always ask them, like, why are, do you keep coming? Because, you, you know, it's the same jokes. They're like, no, dog, we get it. And these two guys, they knew more about gardening than I'll ever know. They were amazing gardeners. And one time I was speaking at Sorgles. I was talking about my love of snowdrops. You know, it's one of my obsessions is different types of snowdrops. And Len heard me, and he said, you know, uh, Doug, I grow one called wasp. That's You know, it's hard to find, and when the time's right, I'll send you some bulbs. And he did. You know, when the time was right, he dug those bulbs up, and I got a little box in the mail. And I said, well, I'm going to put these somewhere special so that I never forget where they are. You know how that can happen with uh, planting so many things. And so they're right in the vegetable garden, right when you walk in, in this little bed. And they're blooming right now. And they are my memory of Len because Len and Al passed away within six months of each other. And so it's just, this is one of the reasons we garden, Uh, you know, I was so pleasantly surprised to walk out into the garden because in the rest of my garden, the snowdrops, they're, they're getting there. You know, they're white, but they're not full bloom. These ones, lens, are, are they're a bigger variety, and they're just about to open. And I'm the only one that will ever know that those were lens <laughs> snowdrops, but it is important to me uh, just to see them, see them blooming. And it is my my reminder of Lent. And so lots of other stuff up. You know, the garlic is up. We got daffodils up. Uh, I even saw a daylily poking up, a few little tulips. Nothing to worry about there. You know, we know it's going to get cold again. We know it's going to snow again. Maybe. (laughs) What a season. My winter hellebore, the uh, Christmas rose, is finishing up. You know, it's nice to have beautiful white blooms fading to pink. But now the spring version... The Lenten rose is sprouting up, which is really cool and fun to see. Like I said, it's just nice to see life come back. You know, uh, I did get a question about starting seeds uh, in the garden. I mean, it's already inside, you know, and and we often forget as longtime gardeners that this is a mysterious process for people. And so the question was, can I, I, I bought some Kentucky Wonder seeds. It's a pole bean. Can I get them going indoors right now and then transplant them? And I'm like, no, that's not really a good idea. Most of the time with beans, we just we plant them directly in the soil, and that's not until end of April at the very soonest. But in into May, they love it warm, and you can't take any frost. And so I have some I had some suggestions for her on on, on what to plant now. If you if you're really going crazy and you got to get something going, we'll talk about that later. I have discovered a very deer-resistant evergreen shrub, uh, and I had to look up how to say it, so I hope I'm saying it the wrong, right way, because someone sent it to me. It's Lakothwe, uh, and I've, I've, it's on the website. It's on uh, dougoster.com, along with some snowdrop stuff about Len, too, is up on the website. But th- this is uh, one that someone sent me. It's called, the name of it's called Lucky Lou Lakothwe, and it's a small native shrub about three to five feet wide and tall, has these glossy green leaves, small fragrant white flowers in the spring, and then the new growth is kind of tinged red. 
and the deer are walking right by it. And the deer, as I said, in every show, I guess I've been talking about this winter, they're killing me. I'm getting out there and spraying as much as I can, but between the rain and and not spraying as much as I should, you know, they're destroying my rhododendrons. They're my mountain laurel. Mountain laurel's poisonous to them. Anyway, this thing, and again, I, I, if you just go to the website, you can see what this thing is, and there's lots of different types of this shrub if you're interested. The only downside in this one is it's zone six, and so... I don't usually plant things from zone six, even though we are zone six, but a polar vortex can can be uh, absolutely killer. Now, last week we talked with uh, Hank Brinzer, who is the subject of this documentary about bees called Hive. That first screening at the Lindsay Theater in Sewickley today is sold out, but they put another screening on. Now, it's free to see this movie. And if you're inter- interested in the bees and interested in, in a beekeeper and his relationship with the bees, there's another screening at 3.15. Again, I found I posted all this information at dougoster.com. If you're looking for something to do today, if you love the bees, if, if you like listening to Hank uh, last week, check out the movie. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be fun. And uh, as I said last week, I am looking for your help. I had a, a seed disaster with our new puppy, Left him in there for 10 minutes, and he tore my bag of 39.45 tomato seeds. These are the tomato seeds that I've been working on for at least five years to build up uh, a nice supply of them. And I I went from 5,000 to about 500. I, you know, I'm sweeping these seeds off the living room floor and <laughs> getting them into a bag. If you grew 39.45 or want to grow 39.45 in, in in thinking that you can grow it and save me some seeds, again, go to the website. All the information's there. And uh, when we come back, uh, I'm just I, I'm very excited about this interview with uh, Dr. Uh, Gagley uh, about this new tomato and just, you know, his long history. You know, started at WVU in 1949. All right, no one should have to face a winter without heat. You can help your neighbors in need. Stay warm by supporting the Dollar Energy Fund during our annual KDK Radio Warmathon, February 15th from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., presented by MediConnect. All the details on how you can support are at kdkradio.com, brought to you by Phil DeLacente, Bill Few Associates Wealth Management, Julian Gray Associates, Allegheny County Federal Credit Union, and Live-In Furniture. Hey, as always, you can listen to us at 100.1 FM and AM 1020 KDK or on the Odyssey app. But you can also watch us with the Ireland Contracting Video Feed. Just go to KDKRadio.com and click on Watch KDK Radio Live Stream. You're Pratt Pack back with Doug Oster. And now, the introduction of this very unique guest. Yeah, so excited to, to welcome plant pathologist Professor Emerit, Emeritus. I can never say that word. Manon Gallagly uh, from WVU. Here's a guy meeting with me on Zoom from WVU who's going to be 101 years old. He's created this tomato, his last tomato, he says, uh, which they have named Manon's Majesty in his honor, resistant to septoria leaf spot, uh, fusurium wilt, verticillum wilt, late blight. Talked to him earlier this week about the new tomato and the other disease-resistant varieties he's created, which include West Virginia 63, Mountaineer Pride, and Mountaineer Delight. So tell me how you got first involved in plants and to be a plant pathologist. Why was this right for you? Well, I came out of the University of Arkansas in uh, 
and I worked in a plant pathology greenhouse. That was a job for me to earn some money, and I got into plant pathology because of that. And I went on to Wisconsin and got a PhD in plant pathology. In June, I took a job at WBU, and I've been here ever since, <laughs> in June 1949. And so as part of what you do, are you also a gardener, or is this a, a scientific thing? Too? Well, I, I'm not a, I don't have a garden at home. I have a garden at the horticulture farm. It's called the organic farm now. And I grow tomatoes out there in the organic farm, and I grow them organically. And they... Um, have various disease resistant characters like uh, the one that we just named this i called it mountaineer majesty and my dean named it manon's majesty so uh he has the responsibility to name new varieties from the college uh, i have developed West Virginia 63, West Virginia uh, Mountaineer Pride, which is 17A, 17B is Mountaineer uh, Delight, and now this one is Manon's Majesty. Okay, and I had been calling it West Virginia 23. That's what I got four varieties named from my breeding work. In 1963, late blight of tomato and potato was a very serious disease. Lots of rain and weather that favored late blight. So I named, I found resistance to late blight and I put it in the West Virginia 63 tomato. Then uh, I didn't do much in breeding work until I retired and I turned back to breeding. So let's go back to 63, that tomato, and then we'll work our way up towards uh, Manon's Majesty. Tell me a little bit about your work to create that uh, West Virginia 63. How long did that take? I started work on it in 1950, and so it took me 13 years to come up with the West Virginia 63 for blight resistance. And uh, I did most of that work at the medium security prison farm in Huttonsville. I had them out in the field. I had a lot of labor down there <laughs> to <laughs> And uh, then I sort of quit breeding. I just yeah. served as a plant pathologist. And then I started, when I went back to work, uh, I started breeding tomatoes again. And uh, I'm a emeritus professor and Nobody pays me anything. I just do it for fun. <laughs> yeah, tell me what it was that after you retired that made you want to go back to, to, to the breeding process. 
Well, it was uh, something that I could do, and I I didn't want to buy a farm and grow plants there. I just continued to work as a plant pathologist, and uh, I enjoy it's sort of a hobby in a way. And yeah. so tell me about 17A and 17B, what the process was to... Uh, to create those two tomatoes? Well, uh, when I f first started looking for uh, septorial resistance, Cornell released a tomato variety that was supposed to be septorial resistance. So we crossed West Virginia 63 onto that, and they did show some resistance to septorial, but it in my mind, it was not good enough. So I started looking for a higher type resistance, which I found in this wild tomato, the Latin name of Solanum hebrochites. And this is your last introduction, right? Well, I'm a hundred and almost 101. I'll be 101 in April. And I don't think physically I'm going to be able to do much more i'm walking with a cane right now <laughs> and uh, i uh, figure that my working days are somewhat limited what do you hope the gardeners get out of your uh, tomato your creations good good table for tomatoes <laughs> that grow that stay yeah. until frost we could all hope to be that healthy yeah, and yeah, spry yeah. at 101. Yeah, it was really fun to talk to him. And, uh, you know, we talked for a lot more than that. I just, I cut it down to that. And it, unfortunately, there's no more free seeds for the new tomato left. We'll have to wait till next season for those. But you can order the three other varieties through the West Virginia uh, website. It's all at dougoster.com. And there is a commercial a seed company that carries all three of those, the West Virginia 63, uh, Mountaineer Pride, and Mountaineer Delight. It's called, um, what is it called? <laughs> Southern Exposure Seed something. Southern Exposure Seed Exchange. That's it. I, I knew I'd come up with it. I was going to say cooperative, but close enough. Yeah, that's pretty close. But uh, I just think it's amazing, you know, to go through all that, uh, you know, doing that amazing breeding that that West Virginia 63 is just renowned as disease resistant. But again, it's about the taste of a tomato too. Yes. It, it will fight off the diseases, the late blight or septoria leaf spot, whatever it might happen to be. But that West Virginia 63 was the one he used all the way through the breeding because of its flavor, because of its disease resistance. And uh, he says that uh, Mountaineer Delight is a little sweeter than Mountaineer Pride, but uh, just cool stuff. And I was very happy to get this interview and very happy to talk to somebody like that. I love talking about plant breeding, about, you know, creating different different varieties. Uh, that Mountaineer Pride and Mountaineer Delight came from a, a cross with a tomato from Cornell at the time called Iron Lady, which was uh, supposed to be uh, resistant to septoria leaf spot. He... Uh, cross that with uh, West Virginia 63 to come up with those two, but he still didn't think he had enough resistance to septoria leaf spot. And then he, he found that 
you know, wild tomato from the USDA and crossed it again with West Virginia 63 to come up with what's now Manon's Majesty. All right, we're going to take a short break at that news with Rob at the bottom of the hour. Then we want to take your phone calls to the top of the hour. So if you have a gardening question and you're already planning to start planting uh, for the spring of 2024, Doug would love to help you along the way. So give us a call, 866-391-1020. Next hour, big game recipes. Frank Dentisi, the big game a week away. And then we're going to be spending the rest of the day on that Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show with our countdown to the kickoff, giving a complete look and preview of the big game coming up in the second hour at noon until 1. But that show begins right after local news at 11. It's your Pratt Pack on a Sunday morning at KDKA. All right, we're taking your Super Bowl predictions. No, that's, that's not the show. <laughs> I just thought I wanted to see if you were paying attention over there. He's in deep thought. He's got to get to some stuff in a moment. What's but the spread? Right now, it's San Francisco favored by two. I still can't figure that out. I mean, how is that even possible? The I think it's going to be a great the, game, but not, I, my money's on, uh, yeah. and I don't bet or anything, but my money's on Kansas City. Well, you need to start betting. It's good for you. Just no, <laughs> it's bad for you. As long as you don't bet the farm. All right, now listen, speaking of the farm, if you're the 10th, it all fits. Uh, if you're the 10th caller, you're going to win that $25 gift certificate to Janoski's. They're getting ready for that big Valentine's Day early, February 10th. Go to Janoski's.com to find out more. going to be a lot of fun out there. In the meantime, we want to hear from you with all of your gardening questions. So if you have a gardening question, as soon as he gets done, we're going to go to the phone. So now is the time to call while we have some available lines. 866-391-1020. This is the time of year, seed catalog, picking up your seeds, getting ready to start planning to plant. So call us, 866-391-1020. Doug. So just a couple of things before we get to the phones. I've got these free weekly online garden classes Thursdays at 5 p.m. for farm to table, buy fresh, buy local. This week it's all about making more plants through propagation, which is so much fun. And I have a crazy tomato seed giveaway. Uh, my friends Gary Ipson and Dagma Lacey sent me more seeds. They're from Tomato Fest. Here are the list of tomatoes I'm just giving away some seeds. Dwarf Beauty King. Dwarf Golden Gypsy, Dwarf Hannah's Prize, Ananas Nor, Gary Ibsen's Gold, Dagma's Perfection, Black Crim, Black Prince, Black Cherry, Amana Orange, Flamme, F-L-A-M-M-E, Brad's Black Heart Tomato, Dixie Golden Giant, and Red Zebra. Go to DougOster.com for all the instructions how to get some free tomato seeds. You know, they send me these seeds. I want them to go to to somebody who can grow them. I can't grow them all out, so it might as well be you. All right, Rob, let's go to the phone. All right, to uh, Brighton Heights, here's Dorian. Dorian is up first on KDK. Hi, Dorian. Good morning, man. Good morning. Um, uh, Doug, uh, I have some property in California. It got burnt by a fire. I had uh, 30 acres. In, in 38, really, but 30, 30 good acres in uh, Hubble. And in 22, it burned to the ground with 50,000 acres around it. Ugh. That's not the bad part. A few months later, the rains came and washed every all the underground work that we we did to prepare for the trying to grow again uh, was washed away. Mm. So we quit in 2019. I'd like to take another shot. How long does it take for the soil? To regain its, its its energy to grow cannabis, you know the you're going to have to improve the soil that was there. You know you're going to have to. I mean, how much space are you going to be growing in? Are these going to be like long? Acres. So you're going to do thirty acres. 
And can you get a truck up in there? Helicopter. Oh. You're going to need... It's in the middle of nowhere. Well, it is a Jeep trail, but, you know, I had... I have a helicopter. You're you're going to need compost. You're going to need a, a, a way. Maybe the way to do this would be to make the compost on site. You know, take whatever's left. Uh, you know, as far as organic matter. Uh, you know, leaves, uh, burnt uh, sticks, and that sort of thing, and and make compost. The most important thing is going to be improving the soil, and you're going to have to figure out a way to do that. Uh, with some kind of soil amendment, and it sounds like you're going to have to do it on site. All right, so thanks so much for your call. All right, uh, Dorian, thank you for the call. Anybody else has any questions about gardening? You need to give us a call now, 866-391-1020. So I've started another year of garden consults. It's one of the things that I love doing. I'll come out to your garden, spend an hour or two with you, help you create a better landscape. Uh, I'm doing one in a couple weeks there, and... uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And I do them all spring and summer and fall. All right, here's Ann. Wants to talk pruning. She joins Doug on hey, Ann. today. Hey, Ann. How are you? Hello. Hi. Go ahead. Hi. Hi there. Good morning. Um, I wanted to know, when do, you, uh, when do you prune blueberry bushes? They're way overgrown. Um, haven't had them pruned for a while. And I just wondered, uh, I was going to have them pruned because I'd like some blueberries this year. There's real tiny ones that come on, but they used to come real big. But I know they're overgrown, and I just wanted to know when should I have them pruned, please? It's during this dormant period, you know, February, early March is the time to do it. You know, it has to be done carefully. You said somebody's going to do it for you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the timing's right. You know, anytime from now until right before they... They leaf out. And then, you know, I'd recommend some fertilizer. Uh, and the one that I would recommend is called Hollytone, uh, H-O-L-L-Y-T-O-N-E. It's very easy to find, inexpensive. And uh, blueberries love acidic soil, and that's what this um, fertilizer is specifically formulated for. And then you're going to have lots of big, beautiful blueberries for <laughs> the birds to enjoy, right? Well, thank you. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I put netting over them. Good you know, for you. That's so. the way to do it. Well, but thank you very much. I enjoy your show. Oh, thanks. You for know, thanks. And I, I try to listen every Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And good luck with those blueberries. All right. To Moon Township, here's Bob Lemon Tree on his mind on KDK's Organic Garden with Doug Oster. Hi, Bob. Hi, Doug. Hey, i got a Meyer lemon tree that I've had for probably 10 years. I uh, got fruit initially from it, and then it went through a dormant period where I got no fruit. This year, I brought it in off the deck like I do every year with lemons on it, green lemons, and uh, in the month of January, and now in February, I've got lemons turning yellow. Oh, my gosh. How can I, how, hell yeah, and they're delicious. My oh wife's my been gosh. using them with everything she cooks. How do I get them back on a schedule that, you know, that I can harvest them? in the fall rather than in the middle of winter or just leave it be. You know, there's not much you can do because you're handcuffed by the season of when it has to come in and when it has to go out. And so there's really not much you can, unless you want, you know, unless you want to set up a whole like giant indoor growing system. I think what you're doing now, you take no. it out, you take it out the end of May you bring it back in September, October before it frosts, and that's really all you can do. 
Tell people uh, about when that tree flowers, what that smells like. Oh, sometimes it blossoms in the house, and that fragrance will go out through. It's in the living room. I've, I've got it around the uh, north side, or I'm sorry, the west side and the south side of my house. But the fragrance just permeates everywhere. It's it's the most delightful smell, and the same way when it goes out in the deck. Um, so I can't change its schedule, I guess. And what are you using those lemons for? <laughs> You're so lucky to have uh, lemons. <laughs> primarily for just cooking. My wife, we're going to have some uh, haddock this, this evening, and she'll be using some lemon on the haddock and whatever else she might cook. And how hard so, is uh, it? How hard is it to get that tree in and out now after ten years? Uh, well, I wasn't aware that you're not supposed to prune them. So one year I cut it <laughs> down a little bit, and that's probably why it didn't put any fruit on. But right. uh, I've got a uh, rather strong grandson who helps his pap <laughs> get on one side and carry it out. And once it's in place, it's in there for good. Hey, yeah. look up look up this tool online, and it's called a pot lifter, and it's a it's a two person tool. It's inexpensive, and it's an easy way to move big pots. Uh, check it out online. That might be something you might want to think about that you guys could both use to get that thing in and out. Yeah, because it's seventy two. I'm not into pulling out my back, <laughs> lifting up my lemon tree. Yeah, okay, I hear that. All right. Hey, thanks for your call. It's good stuff. All right. Got more calls waiting in the wings. If you have a question for Doug, now would be a good time to call. Next hour, Frank Dentisi cooking up some good stuff for the big game a week from today. So stay right where you are. Good morning. All right. We're back with Doug and we're going to go to Steve. Steve, you're on KDK. How are you? Hi there, Doug. Uh, calling from Philadelphia. And I've got a question about honey uh, following up on last week's show. How are things in Philadelphia, Steve? Well, uh, I've got some lavender out back, which has no idea what's going on, and I have bulbs that are popping up, and they've, I, God help us. <laughs> so tell me about uh, the honey. Yeah, I'm pretty good about eating raw honey all the time, and your guest last week was talking about it. Uh, I keep it raw because I believe that the enzymes are good for us, uh, but somebody was telling me that Doing anything with it that involves a steel container or a steel spoon destroys the enzymes. Mm. Now, I don't know how crazy that is, but have you ever heard anything like that? That one I'm not sure about. I'm going to text while we're talking my uh, bee friend and see if he might be listening, and we'll see if he can let us know. Um, But I'll figure it out, and uh, we'll talk about it next week. Sounds good. I appreciate your checking it out. I, I don't know if it's a crazy idea, but I don't know. Um, they're saying use wooden, uh, a wooden spoon uh, maintains the integrity of the enzymes. So I don't know. Well, well um, I, I know we'll get an answer to this question. How was your season last year? Um, it was good for um, plants that do real well in warmer climates. How's that? Um it's getting warmer, uh, whether we admit it or not. Yeah, and I, I know I, you guys. You guys had quite a summer, huh? Yeah, and I have uh, some plants that are, you know, Mediterranean-based, and they tend to survive for two or three years, uh, and then I start all over again. But I don't know. The, the what's funny is looking at the the regular ones, our maples and our oaks. Uh, they seem to be, in my mind, 
struggling because they yeah. don't get very, very cold. But I see magnolias. Uh, people are planting magnolias, and they seem to be doing very well down here. You so. know, when I'm talking to the arborists from Davy Tree, in general, they are looking at a long-term forecast, which is not too good for, like, a sugar maple. And in general, on most of the eastern part of the U.S., oaks are in decline uh, for some, one reason or another. We, you know, we don't, we can't pinpoint it on climate, but... That certainly might be one of the things, but they're talking about climate as far as sugar maples are concerned, which is, you know, a favorite tree of arborists for its beautiful fall color and for its ease of growth and producing shade. Uh, anything special you grew last year? No, uh, it was. I'm at the stage in life where if I can just keep what I have alive, I consider it a plus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Steve, I appreciate your call. It's always great to talk to you. Um, yep. One of these days I'm going to get out there and we can we can hang out a little bit at some of those cool gardens out there. Anytime. Uh, listen, I'll talk to you soon. I know you got other people. Uh, I'll, I'm going to go pour some honey. Take care. All right. And we'll get your honey question answered next week. Thanks, Steve. Well, I do have a question from a listener. Um, Heather wants to know, even though it's been a mild winter, I'm going crazy. <laughs> I want to get going. Is there anything I can start indoors now? And so I did talk a little bit about this uh, at the top of the show. You know, I got a question, you know, can I start beans inside now? Uh, you know, and I've, I've got other questions where people want to start other things indoors now. But really, it's too early to, to start even peppers at this point. You know, peppers is usually one of the first things as far as vegetable gardening goes that we start. But if you were interested in growing some flowers with really small seeds, this would be the time to start. Now, of course, whenever we're talking about growing seeds indoors, you've got to have a light source. You know, you might be able to get away with a south-facing big window, but you can't rely on that. And so nowadays, you know, as I talk often on the show, some kind of LED light system, you know, that's inexpensive. Uh, you know, these ones I got from Andy Amrine down at uh, EV True Value, it's just this little strip and it's magnetic and so it just sticks to the bottom of of like a a bookcase a metal bookcase or something like that and then you just put a timer on it's bright it doesn't use barely any energy and it'll get those plants going but these small seeds let's let's just take two for instance impatience and uh begonias they have these really small seeds and they need to be sown in a way that's called surface sowed. And so you're not burying the seed. And this is not difficult. So we get that planting mix, you know, and that's what you want to use, a planting mix or a seed starting mix. We get that wet. And this is the way you know how, how wet or dry you want it. You squeeze it together. And when it sticks together, but does not drip, it is perfect. And that's the key. If it's too wet, sometimes the seeds rot. If it's too dry, they won't germinate. This is very, very easy. Now we put that into some kind of container with drainage and we just sprinkle those impatient or begonia seeds. And I mean, I'm talking small, but those begonia seeds are like dust and you sprinkle them on top. And then I press them in with just a little piece of wood and then cover the whole thing with clear plastic under light. And as soon as you see a little sprout, you get that plastic off there. And now off to the races we go, you'd have something to take care of, uh, that's that's how I would start right now. I did have one other question. Oh, yeah. Gary said, I saw 
you did a class on winter planting. Could you give me some ideas? It's, again, same sort of easy thing, only you're putting these seeds in. Any seeds could be tomatoes, peppers, anything. You're putting them in, in some kind of container, like a clamshell, or sometimes we cut open a milk jug and leave a little bit on there for a hinge. We drill holes on the bottom. We put that uh, planting mix in there. We put any seed you want to, and you put it outside. And just let it sit there in the snow, and they will sprout when they're ready. This could be any. This could be lettuce, arugula, tomatoes, peppers, uh, just about anything that likes to be that can be transplanted. The only thing we wouldn't put in there, we wouldn't really put in peas or beans or something like that because they can't stand to be transplanted. And so that's your winter sowing. And speaking of the classes, I am doing another free class on Thursday, five o'clock. Um, as always, I'll be answering questions after the show at DougOster.com. Today, it will be later on tonight as I am running right to the lake from here to do a little fishing. Some information there about my summer tour of the national parks. And remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow in every garden you grow. All right, good job, Doug. Stay with us. News today, appetizers, snacks, main course, you name it. It's all about the big game on the Coons Cooking Hour next. Wink. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles. And Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, The King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.